0: needs <laughs> his own show. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. like that ladies <laughs> man type of vibe. <laughs> the like. ladies
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> his wife like, yeah. The Great Independent Podcast, powered by Pacific Press Insurance, where independent insurance agents and industry leaders talk about the highs and lows of starting and running a
0: successful agency learn the common trends and struggles of independent insurance agents. Go to PacificPressInsurance.com for more on how to be a successful
1: independent insurance agent. On this week's episode of The Great Independent, Marcus and I sit down with Gabe Gonzalez, the marketing director of the Northwest Region for Safeco. Gabe goes much more in depth during this segment. But his job is to help independent agents with their marketing efforts and ultimately growing their agency. He has some great insight and experience working with independent agents over the last 20 years. The conversation dives into having the right mentality necessary to build and brand your business and agency, as well as creating an environment conducive to selling more insurance and ultimately being more successful. This is one of our most robust episodes, and we're really proud to be able to provide you guys with this level of knowledge from a great company like Safeco. Most, if not all, of this information is vital to any independent agent, and we hope that anyone listening enjoys and gets a lot from this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Great Independent, powered by Pacific Crest. We're here with Gabe Gonzalez, who is the Director of Marketing for the Northwest Region at Safeco. And he's actually been with Safeco for almost 20 years. Is that right, Gabe? Yeah,
2: it's almost 20. I never would have thought that, but now that it's there, it's, it's a reality. So here we are 20 years later talking about insurance and having fun.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I think you mentioned earlier that uh, you kind of have a little bit of a, a side um, uh, <laughs> title for yourself within, within the company. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: That's um, probably not well known. I've got some friends here in the room with me who, um, the MD of Love, so Marketing Director of Love, it just kind of came about at a meeting and uh, introduced myself, couldn't get anybody's attention. And the minute I said I was the MD of Love speaking, they definitely stopped talking and paid attention. So... <laughs>
1: Gets their t- get It does, more, yeah. Right? Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about um, what you do as the marketing director and kind of how you help agents in this region?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's two functions to my job that I see, right? There's what the, the corporate side of it is I see it, which is um, trying to really help agents understand how they can work better with Safeco. Right. So we do a lot of corporate initiatives. We have things like agency loans, marketing campaigns, tools that are available to agents on Safeco now that they can utilize whenever they want. And so really what I try to do is play a liaison between our sales team and our territory managers and our agents and helping them just be better at what they at what they do by utilizing tools that Safeco has said, hey, we f- we think these work, we think this is beneficial for you, implement this and you should see some results out of that. So there's that part of it and um, running the operations of it. Then there's the other side, which I've sort of carved out a niche, I'd say for myself, because um, in our Northwest region, we worked on this project and it's called Customers for Life now with Safeco. And so we started this program really at a time when the economy was down, independent agents were struggling and they were trying to find a way to just stay solvent. You know, I think the the response I would always hear from agents is I can't grow, nobody's buying insurance and damn it, Geico and Progressive are just killing me because everybody wants cheap, cheap, cheap. So what came out of that was really this mindset that we needed to help agents think differently about their business. We saw them as a preferred... um, preferred option for insurance but was really there was a disconnect in people understanding what the value that an independent agent brings and so we tried to sit back and say how can we help agents get better so customers for life really started with myself and uh, my predecessor working and trying to think about how we can help agents learn about best practices that might just really engage agents in a different level so i mean it was it was pretty rustic when you think about what these marketing practices were i mean you heard things of newsletters right and thank you cards and um very traditional stuff i mean shy of a yellow page ad i think every agency would have looked at us and said yeah okay we've heard about that probably doesn't work but thanks so as we created this program we started working with agents, and these agents started having success. And we, as I, I started evaluating the agencies that were being successful and ones that were, um, struggling a little more. And as I started comparing what it was, it was really this characteristic about the agency. Uh, for, for these people, it was just their natural tendency to be engaged in the community, really uh, committed to their 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 staff, and in trying to create a culture of just of of embetterment. They embraced change. They wanted to try new things. And so they took these basic marketing principles and were implementing them with great success. So we looked beyond those marketing principles and found that it was, they were doing volunteer activities, but communicating with their customers. So their customers knew about that. So they would say, wow, okay, that's really working. Or they had a culture in their agency that says that would help people say, gosh, there's just something about when I engage with these people. It feels different. Um, we know that it was their brand and identity and their customer experience that they were developing. We didn't really call it that at that time. It was just these guys are doing something right. So um, as we've developed that, we came up with this group or I started this group called the Advanced Marketing Group. Now, you think a marketing guy would have a sexier name than Advanced Marketing Group, but... <laughs> eight years later, it's still the advanced marketing group. And what we're trying to do is take people who are willing to push the envelope in, um, in how they think about marketing and really change perception in agents to say, if we look at our business differently, we can be relevant and really engaged today in a way that others aren't doing. So, that's really my passion in the side of work that I do is working with these independent agents. I have a group of about um, I have a master's group is what I call them. There's probably about five or six agents that I work with and we just bounce ideas off each other and really get deep about what they need, how I can help them, and how we can help each other. And then within that, in the advanced group, there's probably I'd say about forty to fifty active agents that are in that group. Um really predicated on the idea that we come together we share best practices we share openly we help each other N- nothing is so proprietary that we can't help somebody learn from it and the the last expectation is is that if someone reaches out to you we tell them what we do it, it's been a great foundation it's a little bit of a game changer and a, a shift of paradigm for some but uh, i feel we're, we're we're treading into some new waters and i, I think we're, we'll continue that path and I'm committed to championing that for the independent agent.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I think uh, a lot of independents probably feel like they're a little bit alone out there, right? And to kind of band together and know that they have these resources and are able to reach out to each other and, and kind of help each other is a, a huge tool for them.
2: So, exactly. You know, the, the way I look at it is... Um, I think a lot of independent agents might look at the person down the street as their competitor, right? This other independent is my competitor. When you take a look at the market share, uh, really, you know, 70% of the market share is held by directs and captives. And so there's 30% of the market share that we hold. So the way I see it is all of us together as independent agents, there's 70% of the market that we need to go after. So we're not each other's competitors. And the best thing we can do is to band together and kind of create one front as the independent agent channel and champion that. So that way people say, ah, I see the value of an agent. The experience is different, it's better, and I want that. So the more we can do that and help each other get to that level, I say we're not each other's competitors. Now, when we hold seventy, eighty percent of the market share, you can complain about the guy next door to you all day long about he's your competitor. But we have so much room to make there, and I do think we're really the superior way to buy insurance.
0: I think that's the big picture way of looking at it too. Gabe is that a lot of agents they get um, they, they get they fall into this this frame of mind that they think that everything is so dismal right? Because they only see their own world. Absolutely. But having a partner and somebody like Safeco, who's what I take away from what you're telling us is, is that you're, you're not only reactive, but you're proactive, right? And so you're taking a proactive approach to help agents understand that the world around them is still, is still taking place. There's still business to, 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 to be had. You need to be um, recognizing that there's opportunity around every corner, and if you're constantly being reminded of that by a partnership with a company like Safeco, then obviously you can you can capitalize on those you know opportunities when they come. But if you don't have somebody like Safeco on your side to continually tell you what your opportunities are, what other agents are up to, and what's working for them, and bringing ideas to the table, then obviously it can become overwhelming. So a lot of these captive agents that we talk to uh, from time to time. The, some of their complaints is that their district managers, i.e., which in the independent world would be somebody like yourself coming and talking to them and counseling, or somebody like Kelly or Sue coming and talking to them, counseling them about their business and what they could, you know, potentially be doing. Um, they don't get that anymore. They don't get any of that proactive approach from the company anymore. It's more just reactive. Shame on you! You're doing this wrong, or shame on you! You're doing that wrong. So I love what you're saying. It's definitely that proactive approach and helping you know agents understand the big picture of marketing.
2: That and and that's right, on. One of the things that that I say quite a bit when I'm speaking to groups of agents is, you know, if you go back and you look historically at the way agents used to market, you know, you look back in the 50s and you know everybody kind of gets the picture of the guy with the fedora and his suit and his briefcase, and you'd sit in living rooms and have conversations with people. When we got around to the 70s, 80s, 90s. You know, really companies stepped in at that point and said, Hey, you market, but let us pay for it. And we, but we want it to look like this. And it should feel like that. And what happened is, is we trained agents to become reliant on us for their marketing.
0: Because they were taking a unified approach.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. They were taking unified approach and they were saying, I'm getting some financial assistance here and they know better than I do how to market possibly in some degree. And so if they're coming and putting money behind it, there was probably some validity to what they're asking me to do.
0: Right.
2: What happened though in that time is I think we allowed, um, agents allowed themselves to come a little more reliant on carriers and all of a sudden trends and things started to change very quickly. And now all of a sudden, right, you get into the, the millennium, new millennium and what's this bricks and clicks and mortar and online and people are buying, wait, what's, what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And then, they finally get their head around that and, oh, I've got a website, right? And that was like a fist pumping champion thing. I got a website. Some of them are a little sketch, mean? right? Some yeah. of them are a little suspect. It's like, I'm not sure if I like that, but it was like, that was an accomplishment. And then once they get their website done, there's this whole thing called social media that comes up, right? Oh my gosh. Now, no, wait, wait, what? I, I've got to do what with social media and, and email and, and I've got to. So the world's changing. Consumer expectations are changing, and we've got guys that are happy that they just got a website up. So it's really important that carriers and companies, and I'm proud to be working for a company that has committed itself to the independent agent channel, to educate and champion and help people really understand, agents understand, the importance of being present, being available, because that means something different anymore. It's not walking around your community with a briefcase and a fedora. It's, I have to be in so many places the the style of communication has changed to the point where you can't just have a yellow page ad and be successful. Interestingly enough, I got a few agents who have yellow pages, page ads. I don't know how successful they are, but they're still using it, but it's very different today.
1: Well, I don't think most people would know what to do if an insurance agent showed up at their door with a briefcase, right? (laughs) <laughs> probably wouldn't even answer the door. I, I know I probably wouldn't, but yeah. I mean, you can't t- you can't turn a blind eye to change,
0: right? You can't pretend like the world is not um, continuing to turn around you. It's it's gonna take place. Um, you know, we were just talking before this podcast started, you know, how technology has shaped us and what we're doing, right? Absolutely. And how we're trying to uh, take advantage of all the new technology that's out there. So why wouldn't any agent or any business owner for that matter, any entrepreneur should be always trying to partner with people. And I keep bringing this up, you know, partner with people like Safeco that um, are, are taking advantage of those opportunities out there and spinning them so that those agents can take advantage of those opportunities and and you know you you brought up bricks and clicks and all this kind of stuff you know there's there's all this forward thinking that comes out of Safeco that I love as a partnership right um, but ultimately at the end of the day it's to drive traffic right but as an agent oftentimes you sit back and like I go, go back to this point. Sometimes these captive agents, especially, they feel like all they've done has been abused by their DMs and whatnot, where they feel like every, every word out of their mouth is for their own benefit. So this is coming down from corporate because they want me to do this or they want me to do that. But safe goes forward thinking and the, the marketing um, I guess sector is really, if I can help you build a successful agency, we'll get our pieces of business we deserve.
2: Absolutely. We, we try to look at this holistically. A lot of times I get the questions, you know, hey, this stuff you're talking about, it, is, it, is it Safeco specific? You know, is it only work with Safeco or are you only promoting Safeco? For me, and this is just me, I'm promoting the whole independent, in the whole industry, the whole independent agent channel, because guess what? It's exactly what you said. If I can get an agency to grow by 10% and be healthy, I'm going to get a piece of that. I might get 10%, I might get 12%, I might get eight. But if that agency is healthy over the long period that they're in business, I will benefit. And I've got a stronger agency force, which makes the channel better, right? So it's a win-win in my opinion. And I really want people to understand that they they really have to shape their perception about it too, right? It's, it's about engagement. And I think Independent agents right now are feeling really pressured, and I think if you come out of a captive even environment and you jump into the independent agent side, what all of a sudden what you're finding out is, okay, maybe technology was there, and tech, and, but technology changed and the, my captive um, relationship helped me learn that or understand that better. But all of a sudden now, in addition to technology changing, you've got consumer behavior changing right so you're getting hit again now with a different level of change that you need to educate yourself on and if your acumen isn't at a level there where you're like oh i get it and i understand why this connects to this then you, you find yourself in a tough spot because you feel like things aren't working and so you have to you have to just take a step back and say i need to be thoughtful about what i'm doing and that it makes sense to my clients and it makes sense for my business i want to calculate an roi that really Makes sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think it's overwhelming in that sense, right? Trying to just keep up with the behavior and what's going on with societal changes. Never mind the idea of marketing your business. When an right. independent starts their own agency, they have to do everything now, right? And um, I know at least when I talk to to agents, the idea of marketing is just mind-boggling right it's yeah. just something that they're they're fighting against and um, you know they want to take in as much information as they can but it's just it's just overwhelming right so i think having safeco there to help with that higher level of marketing right and that um you know big corporation type of type of marketing is great but to also have them there to um, kind of figure out what's good for their business right like not everything is going to work for everybody you got to figure out what your personality is, what your community is like, and make sure that those things work together. I mean, um, you know, some of this stuff, uh, some of this grassroots stuff that you talk about, um, you know, just isn't going to work for some people. And for some people it's going to double their, their business in like five months. Right. I think we've heard some stories like
2: that. Exactly. There is a, there is a big change. And so, you you know, it's, you say hit it right on the head. You got to find out what works for you. One of the things that I really try to stay away from is trying to say, here is, here's a solution in a box. Take this and run. Really. When I talk to people, I try to find out what are you passionate about? Where are your interests? Let's start there. Because if we can find something that you're going to put some energy and motivation towards, we can build on that. And then once we get you going, then you start pulling things in. Uh, I spoke to a group in Montana and we were talking about some marketing activities. And I stood up there and the first thing I said to them is, I hope you go and I hope you try at least one thing. And I hope you fail at least once. And they all just looked at me and I said, because if you're not trying things without failure, you're not learning and we need to learn what works for us. If you think if I just take this out and apply it to me that it's going to work, you're going to find out that you can't have that mindset. You need to go in and say, okay, I tried this. Let me step back and analyze and then go, oh, this is how I make it work. It didn't work because of this. It worked because of this thing that I changed or this new approach that I took to it. So that that really is is the mindset I think that the agents have to have nowadays in, in trying to just um, be open and accepting because there's also a lot of new marketing methods that they've never even seen or heard before
0: right opening up new channels is, is always good to to approach and, and at least try and, and swing the bat you know I mean, uh, you, sometimes you're going to strike out as long as you're not spending a, an absurd amount of money that could potentially, you know, put you out of business. Right? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. You know, obviously, use good, good, good judgment. Good yeah. judgment, you know, and, and the the projects that you you take on. But um, I, I I love the fact that um, the way that you approach marketing to agents is really more or less. Taking on the passion that, that they have, right? Because that's what got them to where they are today. Correct. You know, when you start any business, um, you know, I, I go back to when I started my first business back in 1998, right? I, I did it because I had a passion for that, that whatever, you know, it, it was. Um, that's what I wanted to do. I think insurance agents oftentimes get into this industry because they get a passion for people. They get a passion for helping others. They get a passion for customer service. They have a passion for, um, being a, a professional, whatever the, it is. Right. But that passion should, uh, be no different than the passion you put into your marketing. Mm-hmm. If you're not passionate about it, you how can you expect to get any good results? Right. So for instance, if, if part of Pacific Crest marketing strategy was, uh, podcasts, like we're yeah. doing today, And if uh, Zach and myself were not passionate about uh, the digital marketing of podcasts and and whatnot, it would reflect in everything (laughs) that we do, every word that we say. And unfortunately, every time that you put yourself out there, you're either putting out a good vibe or a bad vibe. And that can be, you know, construed in any way. Right. But that's that is a touch point with a potential client that you could have. And maybe that client is getting the wrong perception of you so i love that about what you're saying take on the passionate route the things that you're passionate about and tweak those things and make them your own and go with it right um i, I don't care if it's a postcard i don't care if it's a thank you no, i don't care if it's a welcome kit. i don't care if it's a you know a, a, a facebook campaign I don't, whatever it might be whatever it is you're passionate about go
2: with yeah. it I, I agree. One of the, what's interesting about the passion is, uh, so there's, there's two things that I notice that are interesting about agents oh, and not all right. We we don't generalize everybody, but right. there's a large percentage that I, I encounter with this is um, one agents, an independent agent wears many hats, right? They're the IT person. They're the phone person. They're the banker. They're the janitor, but really in the forefront of their mind, you also got to sell policies to make a living. So there's a lot of balls to juggle and how do you determine, you know, which one I need to focus on right now? And so that choice every day can make things like marketing take a back seat. Which every
0: day, every day.
2: Every day, every right? Day. And so it's it's not anything that it's it's not bad. It's just kind of that so every once in a while you have to refocus and say, okay, if I and put that energy into marketing, it can then help sales, helps customer experience, helps retention. I don't have to sell as many to get a positive number right away. So you have to just help people understand that sometimes when they lose focus.
0: And I don't have to remind our listening listeners or anybody else in this room that oftentimes marketing is usually what takes the backseat to budget. Yes, uh, when, absolutely. When times are tough, you know, when it's when times are lean and you have a tight budget, marketing usually is the first thing that gets cut. And unfortunately, if you're a marketing person, which I believe almost everybody in this room is or has a passion for. Um, It's like the last thing you want to cut. Ultimately, I went to a seminar once where uh, they were teaching us how to do run a business, right? And and the the marketing uh, head of marketing got up and he did this basically the speech that said, um, why is it that most business owners will spend more money to go out to to advertise that they're going out of business, but than they ever would have put in to stay in. Right. Right. And so that's true. How many times do you see a going out of business sign on the side of the road? And you think to yourself, how much money did they spend to place that? They just spent that (laughs) money to stay in business. Right. So it just doesn't make any sense sometimes. But I love I love that um, uh, approach that what you're talking about is the passion. The other thing that I would like to touch on, too. Yeah, is. Some ideas kind of coming from you to to kind of give our listeners as to some small little things, some trinkets that they can take away. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'd love to just kind of throw some ideas out
2: there. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get back to another point that I said because there were two things. So I want to circle back to what the other one is because it goes into some of those ideas. The second thing, the challenge that I run into with agents as it relates to marketing is agents are great salespeople. They love to go out. They love to sell, close the deal. They do an amazing job at that. But for some reason, when I ask them to market or talk about themselves or the things that they're doing, they get all shy and coy and they don't want to talk about it. And, well, that's bragging. I, I don't feel comfortable talking about myself. I'm like, wait a minute. What, now You're getting you're getting shy on me? Where's that same energy and passion? It's because they feel like, that marketing it's like, I don't I really shouldn't be in a position to tout myself but it, it's it's not so much that you're touting yourself you're not doing it for an ego boost. It's
0: not braggadocious. No, no it's, it's
2: not, not braggadocious, braggadocious at all. Yeah it's for business because we all need a brand and an identity. Right. And the challenge that you run into is if you don't help people know what your brand and identity is, you don't communicate it. They will define it themselves. That's right. And so do you want if you have a thousand clients, you want a thousand people coming up with a different definition of what your brand and identity is or do you want to be the one that tells them so now you have a thousand people sending the same message? So you have to have this level of comfort that comes along with it to make people feel like, ah, I know who I work with. I know who I'm getting insurance from and this is why they are a fantastic agency to work with. what's
0: wrong with being proud of what you do? Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, sales people over the years have gotten a black eye Right? I mean, you, how do you define sales? If you define sales as something you do to somebody, you're probably in the wrong business.
2: Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yeah. But if you define sales as something that you offer to somebody as an opportunity, then you're in the right business and you can be proud of what it is that you do because salesmanship is an art, right? Um, so be proud of it. Be proud of marketing. Be proud of salesmanship. Be proud of what it is that you do, and it'll it'll just glean off, or it'll just glow off of you. People will, will be attracted to it. But if you come across as very coy, people will, can possibly look at you and say, "Maybe he's doing something to me rather than offering me something."
2: Exactly. Yeah. The, some of the some of the best promoters that I've met out there do a fantastic job, and when I talk to them about insurance. They actually tell me, no, it's my responsibility to make sure that that customer has every policy that they need. That's right. That is my responsibility, which is, wow, okay, right? It's not, oh, do I have to call and try to cross sell or look at what the, whoa, man, I just, I can't make that call. Sometimes
0: you love to talk to an agent, Gabe, that says, I have a process. And my process is, is that I talk about their, let's just say, for instance, their process says, the first thing I talk about is what they came originally to talk to me about whether it be an auto policy or a home policy or whatever it is, then the next thing I do is I take all the other policies that I've, uh, I've assessed the situation that they need and I go through those and I ask them about those policies, even if I don't have their piece of business. How great does that make you feel when an agent has that process compared to an agent that says, well, they came to me for an auto policy, and I was afraid to talk to them about their umbrella, or I was afraid to talk to them about their homeowner's policy, or I was afraid to talk to them about a life insurance policy. Right. 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 Do you want to make money? Well, that right. too. But being a, going back to what Gabe's saying, being a trusted advisor, yeah. be proud of what you're you're there to do. Right?
2: Yeah, it, there's a big element of that. And if you go look at a lot of the consumer research, you know, go take a look at what Accenture, Deloitte, um, Ernst and Young. A lot of these organizations are outputting a, a lot of research material. out about consumer behavior and consumer. Training. And what they're finding is that, you know, really what's in in right now and what people want is they they want to be educated. They want to have knowledge, but it needs to come in a way that works for them.
0: Sometimes they're afraid to ask for it.
2: Exactly. And so I think the agents that have really figured out, boy, this is, I think the agents that have really figured it out, one of the things that they do well is they say, this is my role. And I help you understand my role. And by you knowing my role, I can have a conversation with you. And it makes sense and it brings value. Yeah. So when you go through that process, it's not like pulling teeth, you know. And you got to read your customer. If you have a customer that's just go, 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 I, I want out, you know, I, I just need something quick. You need to stop and say, is that person just price shopping and they just want something quick and they're going to move on? And does that really fit with my model and what I'm looking to do? Is that going to be a long term customer? Right. Is that going to be a customer that's going to stick around? And is that going to be a customer that's going to leave me in? six months or a year because they found a better price somewhere else.
0: And I, and I think what it boils down to is personality. You're, you're yep. dead on, right? I mean, if you don't, if, if, for me, like my personality is, is that if, if I was discussing policies with you yeah. and you said, you know, I'm really not interested in all the other stuff. And, 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 and if I heard you say something like that, it would not be um, out of the norm for me to say, well, I'm not interested in just selling you an auto policy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in being your trusted advisor. And for me to be a good, trusted advisor, I really need to talk to you about these items. Right. And and I'm, if you don't buy from me today, that's OK. But we at least need yep. to address it and discuss it. What's wrong with saying that? Yeah. Right. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And if you did that, you'd be doing your job better and you'd be making more money.
2: Yeah. I mean, I've, I hear people all the time say I've, I've told people that right now, where they're at is good. Their coverages are good. They're adequate. And if they're happy and I add them to my newsletter or email mailing list and just continue to communicate with them and just say, Hey, if you ever have any other questions, by all means, let me know. But they leave the door open, right? It's never like, well, Hey, I didn't sell to you. So I'm done. I'm moving on. They always leave that door open. And that just feels good, right? All of a sudden now I'm building trust in you. And then if you're marketing to me as well, I see what you do in the community and I see what your staff does and Wow. Maybe when my renewal comes up, I'll, I'll give you another call. I hear stories about that all the time.
0: But I also talk to agents sometimes and I ask them, well, why don't you ask them who writes their life insurance? Well, cause I don't real com- feel comfortable selling life insurance. Well, wait a minute, your life insurance license, you took the time out of your day to go get licensed to sell life insurance, but yet you don't ask your client who sells their life insurance. Cause you don't feel comfortable selling it. I don't get it Yeah. as a professional. Why not just go learn about it so that you're efficient at it and you understand it and you're competent to sell it. You, you got the license.
2: Well, it. And it all comes back to your value proposition, right? If you have a really good sense of self, your brand, your identity, your value proposition, if, if I'm going to really take care of people and, and bring that holistic view of coverage and insurance to, to someone, to families, I need to learn that. And what can I, what are the little things I can do to make myself comfortable? And guess what? It's okay to be real with people. Maybe you stumble or your, your, your elevator speech isn't quite there. Hey,
1: you know. Yeah, how are you going to get there if you don't practice? Exactly. They're in the same place when they started just, you know, auto and home stuff anyways. And
2: like, quite honestly, if you were strong on the auto and home and, you, you know, you figure out the life piece as a part of it as you're going through it, I think most people will understand, hey, they really took care of me over here. And it's just another part of the transaction. But if you're going to be, again, that holistic view of coverage for people, you just got to get comfortable. And no, no matter what it is, it happens with people when they're transitioning to commercial, if, when, if they're doing specialty, you know, the toys and things like that, it, it takes time.
0: I would, I would even summarize it by saying this, I go back to what you said, which is, I believe totally accurate. Most people want that information. I, I they just might be afraid to ask for it. Um, and in most cases that confidence, will come across is not a sales salesman, the, you know, slimy way it's professional and they right. appreciate it. Right. But if they don't,
1: then that's when you start to question, is this really my client? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, you, Marcus and I talked about this uh, quite a bit. We did this morning actually is, you know, building a relationship. Right. And it's, you know, I know from a consumer standpoint, of a f- financial advisor that I feel completely comfortable with reaching out to with a question, which is not something that I would do on a normal basis. Right? right. If I want to learn something, I'm gonna go figure it out myself online, or um, you know, talk to a friend or a family member or something. But um, you know, when you exude that confidence and uh, believe in what you're doing and, and commit to it, I think it opens up those channels, like you guys are saying. Where people then, um, you know, coming to you for business, you don't even have to go down that route of of talking about other things and kind of drawing it out of them. Well, and if your client doesn't
0: appreciate that approach, going back to what Gabe's saying, he or she may not really be your client. They may be that client that only buys online and does not want an agent. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, they're shopping for price. And if they buy on price, they're going to leave you on price. So what's the longevity outlook on that. It's not very good. It's pretty pretty bleak, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could, going off on sales strategy and all that kind of stuff, I get I'm passionate <laughs> about. <laughs> a really different In, yeah, you right. couldn't tell, you know. Yeah. We have these discussions with agents all the time. I do want my listeners to know, right, that we want to have these conversations with agents. This is the kind of stuff that gets business on the books, and this is the kind of stuff that helps them be successful, and and build, you know, a long-term succession strategy that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And, and the way I see it, right. And unfortunately I think what happens is we've been forced into these segments of thinking of things in the silos. I see it as for me, and again, I'm the marketing guy, so I get to see it this way. And people are like, well, of course, cause you're the marketing guy. Right. But for me, it all starts with brand and identity from the marketing side of things. Right. So if you don't have a strong brand and identity, um, you can run into some pitfalls and get stuck into just selling. But if you have a strong brand and identity and you'll hear things, mission statements, purpose statements, vision statements, um, you know, there's there's common purpose. You'll hear all of these buzzwords for it. But really it's, what am I about? Why am I in business? And, and why do I get up every day and come to work? And then living that though and very, living like, and that's the next piece
1: yourself and, and how you conduct business every day and your staff and how they interact with people too.
2: exactly because that then creates a culture that people get to experience and that customer experience is what keeps people coming back. So I see the marketing piece as holistic and it just interweaves itself through all of your other activities. So Marcus, DM you, of love, Hey, or MD of or love, MD right? Of love. You know, I'm telling you, you get, you only get little nuggets like that from a guy with the title, like the MD of love. Well,
0: let me, let me, let me ask the MD of love a question. So if, if you're talking to a, a a new agent that's trying to get their brand out there, right? Yeah. What's what approach would you take as far as, um, I guess giving them advice on on how to build their brand? So, for instance, let me just throw a for instance. Zach. Absolutely. We have a lot of agents that, uh, you know, back when I was in charge of marketing, and I'm sure Zach probably has this too now, but we used to get a lot of agents that called that would ask me questions like. What should I name my, my agency? I'm going from captive. I used to be, let's say, a farmer's insurance agent. Okay. And now I'm an independent agent. What yep. should I name my agency? Um, now, I've got my own, my own opinion on this matter, but I'd love to hear yours because you're the, D, the M- 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 Oh M- goodness. M- I don't know about M- this, M- this M- title M- now. <laughs> <laughs> is that right?
2: Well, you know what the funny thing about it is I used to live on a lake called Lake Desire. So oh, you add those two no. together and it's yeah, a story. it's a bad lifetime show waiting yeah, to yeah, happen, right? <laughs> no, yeah, I I know, no, I didn't. Thank goodness.
0: So agents always ask, you know, or used to ask me, you know, what should I name my agency and you know, uh, how can I get a logo built and, yeah. and all this kind of stuff? And I have my own, you know, like I said, I have my own opinion on the matter, but I'd love to hear yours.
2: Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. So, you know, here's, here's my take on it. You, you know, you see agencies that are named after just people's names and then you hear some where they come out and they try to be really creative. Um, uh, find something that's meaningful to you. I mean, there are some people who they want their name on the plaque, right? And they wake up morning and they feel good about that. There are some people say, I came up with this really cool creative name and that's, I, I really enjoy that. That helps me just be inspired that I created that. Now make sure that it makes sense, right? And that it's easy to remember. Um, but I, I don't know that I, I have a, a, a formula for that because I've seen success on both sides, but just you know, something you're passionate about with that. But the other part is, is now when you're getting to the logos and and creating that, um, you know, what happens I think sometimes is, so you come up with your name, maybe you sketch a rough logo and you put it on a piece of paper and that goes out and okay, that's my logo. And then um, you do something over here and maybe the logo looks a little different. I always tell people just try to think from a, a bigger picture when you're creating that. Okay, can I work with a graphic designer or somebody like that? Um, maybe I, there's someone in my family who, uh, who's really good with design work or a friend who can just let me look at a few things, make sure it makes sense. It makes sense with insurance. Um, and that, that you feel you can connect with. And when you talk to people they can connect with, right. um, and, and as you're creating your logos and things, um, Don't make them complicated. Right now, simplicity's in. If you look at people's business cards, it's very simple text, um, very simple colors. uh, And so I would recommend that. And I would also recommend, uh, it might cost you a little bit, but if you can work with a a printer or a publisher or something to make nice professional looking letterhead or what have you, you're probably not going to use a lot right now with the digital age. But um, making sure you have a consistent uniform type look and feel to your agency. So you were asking me about nuggets and things that I would tell the people who are starting their agency. Um, I, I, I tend to Tarantino things when I put them out there, which I start backwards and then work forwards. And so um, I'm, I'm big on customer experience. What does it feel like? What is it? What does it feel like? What is it... Um, do to me when I engage with your agency so I actually have a process that I I try to work with agents and say okay I want you to sit and think about what it means to do business with your agency and then I say think of these buckets think of prospects think of new business renewals claims and exiting customers and I have them put those buckets down and then write down, what are the marketing activities that you either do or will do in each of those sections?
0: Sure.
2: And that way, you can see, okay, these are the things that I'm going to be doing, and this is the experience that I'm creating for my clients as they join my agency. So what you're saying, let me get this straight, Yeah. i so following you correctly, is you're
0: saying that you have a different category for every marketing program that you have in place. So for instance, you have a marketing program for generating prospects. You have a marketing program for retention. You have a marketing program for um, agents or, or for clients that are uh, you know, leaving you as a client. You have a marketing program for uh, claims experience, right? That's what you're saying.
2: Yes. And I'm saying actually the same thing, but I'm looking at it differently. I'm saying these are touch points, and what marketing will you do in those touch points? Or what marketing do you do in those touch points? Right. Yeah. Um, generally, what I find is people are really heavy on like the prospect, right? Really heavy there. Sure. But then they go through and as they look at these other touch points, they say, yeah, well, we don't do much here. Don't do much here. Don't do much here. And so then my argument to them is, so what is your case for this person not leaving you then?
0: Or for instance, when they do leave you, What was the experience other than the first original marketing campaign that got them there?
2: Exactly. And so it it really comes down to, again, what did you create for them to experience when they engaged with you? So I asked people to do that early on because then general and, and, and op- You have to operationalize things. If there's a way you can operationalize some things, if it's sending out postcards, thank you notes, thank you notes are really big right now and they're making a resurgence and you would not believe the success we're seeing that agents are having with instituting regular thank you card programs. Yeah. Um, by the way, just a little caveat to that, that's not automated, it's something you subscribe to. These are handwritten, genuine thank you cards that people are doing and we're seeing incredible results in retention, um, referrals, new business lift. Um, So, but thinking about those buckets and really trying to find a way to say, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on this and I'm operationalizing it because what happens when you're new, new business becomes a priority, right? And you're just throwing things on the books. You're trying to get that new business going. You're trying to get that commission increasing and these clients then are coming on. And then after a while, after a year or whatever, then it's like, well, what have I done to really keep them engaged with me? And that's when all of a sudden your book starts rolling off, right? And yeah. renewals start coming up. So anything you can put in place to give some forethought to what am I going to do to transact with my clients once they're my clients is going to be beneficial.
0: I love that advice. Uh, I mean, most agents, you're right, I think would typically say, how do I drive business?
2: Mm-hmm. Right,
0: Gabe, you're really not helping me unless you're helping me drive business, right? right? I mean, sometimes they have that kind of an attitude, but the reality is, is, um, a lot of the business will come organically from referrals and other things like that because of the customer experience overall. Once Absolutely. they get there, you gotta you gotta get them there, and then you gotta keep them there, right? And and that will overall drive a lot of that traffic. So I love that approach, splitting it up um, in individual sectors or buckets, whatever you want to call them. I think is, is brilliant.
2: Well, and, and here's the other the, the other component of it. You know, I'd, I'd uh, like to say that, hey, yeah, I'm the genius that thought of thinking of it that way, but quite honestly, it's consumer behavior that's pushing that, right? So you've got Yelp, Google reviews, you've got all of this environment now where people are talking about you, whether you like it or not, right. and people are asking about you, whether you like it or not, and so um, it's to your benefit to put that that mindset in, in place, as you're getting ready, because, um, as you said, referrals, you know, most agents I talk to the new business is generally about 70 to 80% referral. And unless you have some other fountain bringing you, you know, new business, it's coming from that customer base. And once that customer base becomes big, those people need to have a good positive experience. They need to leave you good reviews. They need to say good things about you because, um, you know, one person might tell five people, Right. And so if you think about if you build your client base up to a thousand and you're giving them that message, you're giving a good experience. That's a thousand promoters that you have out there speaking your praises. And how much would anybody pay to have a thousand people speaking positively about them? Not all the time. Right. There might be some quirks or whatever, but generally speaking. People would pay lots of money. They pay lots of money now to try to create that environment. We, because we have a captive renewal book, have a unique situation that we can create that environment, and we get to dictate what they hear from us. So keep that messaging in a positive light.
1: Well, and if you're waiting till these clients are on the books for a year or two years and then scrambling to figure it out, it's probably too late already, right? Uh, Absolutely. You got to start with that first campaign that's generating business, and then keep that transition going all the way through that funnel that they travel through. Yeah. Be diligent about staying on top of your tasks, right? I mean,
0: having a, a process in place, good business practices that make you do those things every single day and staying on top of it. Um, referrals are huge and, and I, and I can't help but go back to the old phrase that most marketing people love, which is word of mouth. Absolutely. Right? How do I get that word of mouth? And, and, uh, that's really what it takes, experience.
2: And and the the one thing I, w- I would try to emphasize is the days of refer a friend and putting it on the back of your business card and things like that, that, that is, is not relevant anymore. You can't just ask people to do things for the sake of asking them. Now there's almost an expectation that I have an experience and a positive experience with you for me to do that. And so um you have to engage. You have to provide that experience because you you can't just ask.
0: I I I totally agree, but I'd also parlay that with this. Don't be afraid to ask.
2: Absolutely. Uh, we so so just getting kinda just so people have some um reference to that asking. We did a, a workshop with a group and one of the things that we did is we said we're gonna find out how easy it is to get testimonials. Kind of the same thing, right? It's a similar vein. And so I, I challenged the group and I said, all right, you guys go out and I want you to send out 20 requests for testimonials, write it, you know, personally write a letter, ask for 20 requests. These agents came back and they had numbers like 18, 19, 20 people were responding and they were like, sure, absolutely. All you have to do is ask, right? right. And And everything was great. And one of them said, she goes, I would have had 20, but the guy was on vacation and he wasn't coming back and he couldn't fill it out. So he filled it out late and she was just, you know, bummed that he didn't have that. But again, it goes into that whole thing. But
0: also probably very surprised to see the result.
2: Oh yeah. She was very, she was very surprised to see the result. And she came back and she said, you know, deep down, I probably knew that I had a good relationship with my clients but I never thought that they would take time out of their day to respond and help me out. And she said, they were willing, they were saying things like, is there anything else I can do? You know, do you need anything? And she's going, Whoa, wait a minute. Wow. Okay. And so this is someone who's created a really great experience, very involved in the community. So I think that also goes, I think sometimes we fear that we're um, bugging, interrupting, intruding in our customers' lives But I think if you're thoughtful and appropriate in how you do it, they're willing to engage with you and and help you out with it.
0: I think some people's personality will also, uh, will also uh, kind of go an opposite direction, which is I see a lot of agents that are afraid to ask for the referral because they don't necessarily, um, believe that they've done everything they could for that person or that they earned the referral. Right. Um, but that's just them not being confident, right? And, and like going back to what I'm saying, if you think that sales is something that you do to somebody, then you'll probably have that idea in your head, which is I can't ask for a referral because I literally just did this to him, right, or her. Uh, instead of saying, I just helped that person. And it doesn't have to be always a monetarily, you know, uh, thing that you did. It doesn't have to be just saving them money yeah, I just help that person with better coverage, or I just Uh helped that person um, get coverage on a lot more, or whatever it may be, then you're going to be a lot more apt to ask for that referral, because you truly, genuinely feel like you
2: so we have a philosophy in our advanced marketing group, and um, it really came about in a conversation that I had with one of the members. Um, she's she's sort of an insp- She's she actually she's an inspiration for me because we just have this great relationship where we can talk about things, things get done, things get reported, and it, it's very symbiotic in that, um, and we feed off each other's energy. Um, but in, in a conversation that we had, an interview that I did with her, um, you know, she eloquently stated that if you want to receive referrals, you need to be an agency worth referring to.
0: Yeah. Amen.
2: Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you kind of have to have that philosophy in mind that I need to be worth these referrals, yeah. but I need to put some skin in it. And so again, it's through that experience, through these touches, through my marketing is how I can become worthy because guess what? A, cl- a client isn't going to say I'm worthy of referrals because I slam out a bunch of new business and ignore my renewal book. That just isn't going to happen, right? It's, I'm worthy of the referral because of the experience I gave them and how I treated them. And they're entrusting their friend, their referral to me, right? And Absolutely. that's a big step.
0: What other nuggets? Do you um,
2: yeah. So, you know, getting back to that whole idea of, um, what do I say? That's probably the, a question that I get all the time. Wow, this marketing stuff, you know, whether it's a newsletter or an email or a blog or a Facebook or whatever, what do I say? What do I say? Um, a, a real big philosophy that, that we continue to promote is um, be cautious of the hard sell in your marketing all the time. Now, you are an agent. You insure people. You sell insurance. There is an expectation that you should sell. That is true. But I think what happens sometimes is because maybe we don't communicate with our clients as much as we feel we or as much as we should. Um, the only time they hear from us is when we're trying to sell them something, right? And so that's that can be tough. So you need to mix it in with some other things. And so um, as people are creating content for social media um, and be it newsletters or what have you, their websites or blogs, uh, think about things that you're probably already doing, which is community involvement. And so the, in, the, in, the, in the work that we've done and what we have found is that agencies that are involved in their community have really shaped the, the perception that their clients have of them. They see what they're doing. They see that they give back. And now they have this appearance of being real. You're real. You're tangible. You're not somebody who's on a TV or somebody that I can't access. And so when I see you helping out a local Boys and Girls Club or a local charity or a local community event... I participate in that too I, and you're there and you're engaged with it. So we've really promoted community involvement as a way to help agents find their voice within their communities and within their marketing. It also takes some of the pressure off of, well, I'm just going to talk about myself, right? That's, that that's just never comfortable for people. But if you're talking about this is what our agency is doing This is how we're engaging. We're at this event. We invite you to join. We invite you to join us in a food drive. We're walking in um, a breast cancer walk. We want you to join our team. We're we're cleaning up a a shelter uh, for animals. Come help us clean. Those kind of activities are not only telling your story, helping share your vision and and your brand, but it's also engaging clients in a way that you're creating an opportunity for them to engage with you.
0: I've got some Some comments on on that I think are relevant. You hit the key words, which is come help us, right? I've oftentimes seen agents that have said, well, that doesn't help my agency. And then when I dug in and I started to see, look at their, maybe their Facebook profile, whatever it may be, and look at the outbound blogging that they're doing. It's very, look at us, uh-huh. look at us, look at what we're doing, right? It's not um, genuine by any means. Absolutely. they actually taken a non-genuine approach, which is, um, this is only for marketing purposes. This is only for you to see that we do care about our community. Instead of coming from a place that's genuine, where they get involved in things and going back to the passion again, the things that they're passionate about, right? right? So. I would not encourage any agent if you don't necessarily have a passion for pets, really probably (laughs) shouldn't be trying to do some type of a, you know, a shelter cleanup drive. Absolutely. You know, at the local animal shelter, because it's not going to come across as though you're passionate about it, but think about the things that you're passionate about and get involved in those things. And that will um, encourage other people to get involved in it. And ultimately as an indirect, you know, in an indirect way, your message is getting out there, right? Right. It just happens. It's just, it's just indirect. It just happens inevitably. There's no way to avoid it.
2: And and there's the console I usually give around that is it's, it's interesting. So um, I always try to promote, I mean, you know, it's kind of a play on words and it's nothing to glitzer. Again, I need to come up with some flashier stuff <laughs> for this marketing guy, but I call them change agents, right? And I think sometimes we sit around and, we wait for other things to happen so we can be a part of it. And the groups that I'm working with, we're instituting, we're creating change the innovator. and we're the ones that are pushing, you know, pushing the ball forward and saying, hey, others, come join us. Right. And that's how we're looking at it. So I would always say, okay, so kind of your, your very basic marketing piece would be, you know, it's the Eagle Idaho Fair, this date, right? And then, The next better level would be, it's the Eagle Idaho Fair. This day, we'll have a table, right? And then the next one would be, it's the Eagle Idaho Fair. We're sponsoring the parade, right? And then the next one would be, it's the Eagle Idaho Fair. We're sponsoring the parade. We're walking in it. We want you to come join us and we're going to give away balloons and do free face painting. And we're just going to make... We want you to have fun with us. We want you to come have fun with us. The first 20 people get a free t-shirt and get a champion around and we're giving out water bottles. That is that that point you're trying to get to. You are the one that's creating action. There's a call to action and you're creating it. And people then say, Wow, I can engage with you. And even if I choose not to engage with you, I'm gonna recognize your stand or your booth a heck of a lot more than somebody else who's just going, Look at my flyers. Here's some flyers. How about a pen?
1: Great example and I mean, I used to do events for, for State Farm, right, all over the country okay. and in Canada as well. And it was that exact reaction, right? We were getting out to some of these events where you would never expect an insurance company to be in. Right. At. Um, Comic-Con is one of the, the best examples Fantastic. I can give, right? We would go out there and we would tailor everything that we were doing at that event to that crowd, right? We would set up... Um, a, a gaming booth where people can come up, hang out, play games on a sofa or something like that. And the, the reaction we got half the time is, what are you doing at Comic-Con? And it's like, well, we want to interact with you guys. I want to have fun with you guys. You guys need insurance too, right? So, um, you know, it's, it just goes a long way. Actions speak louder than words, right? So going back to your initial point on that, like, what do I say about my business? You don't have to say anything. You can go out there and just be involved and connect with somebody, and that goes a lot further than anything you could possibly say.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting this whole notion of change agents. You know, one of the things that that society is pushing right now, and this is brings in you know social media, and and it's you can be a chameleon on social media, Uh right? You can you can be a pro or, uh, or opposed to every cause, whatever cause you can create an identity, but none of that is real. You
0: can be whoever you want.
2: You can, right. You
1: can be a Without pretend, any
2: Right. <laughs> I, I can, I can give the impression that I give to every charity yeah. that I do all this. I'm just the greatest person in the world, but yet not have any of those genuine intentions within me and not do anything to support those charities. Right. right? And so, you know, you, you're kind of getting this level. I, I think social media is causing this level of distrust. Like what what's real? What's genuine?
0: Oh, it's true. It's not, you, you, it's valid. That's yeah. a very valid thing. And it's, it's all over the news right now. I mean,
2: it's, it's, fake, it's news, fake, fake news, fake news, news, news. Right. And so we're not fake agents.
0: Right. We
2: are real agents, real people. And, and, you know, and quite honestly, you know, state farm farmers, the, the captive agents, those people are in communities. And, but generally what happens with them is they sponsor organizations at like a national level or very in a large base. You have the ability to sponsor something very local, very close to your community. And, you know, now the buy local, get involved local is very popular sentiment amongst consumers. You can change that in a way that nobody else can. You are a local business owner that can change lives that are in your community every day. And that's completely different than anybody else can do yep. in, in the insurance game.
0: One thing I'd like to touch on on that is that, and I, don't, and I don't want our listeners to think that that they have to do that kind of stuff, right? Absolutely, I mean, it, these absolutely. Are, these are options that are just throwing out on the table that, you know, you have to going back to being passionate about something again, mm-hmm. right? And you have to be passionate about that kind of stuff for it to work, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are really introverted yes, and they don't want to put themselves out there. They don't want to be that guy or that gal in the parade, waving at everybody, throwing balloons and, you know, and, and, um, you know, throwing candy at everybody when they walk down the street, they don't want to be that person. Um, and if, if you have the means and you can bring in staff that can do that, that's another way that you can, you can, you know, make that happen. We do that here at Pacific Crest, you know, a lot of times, um, I'm, I'm more of that style person. I'm introverted. I don't want to be that guy walking down, uh, the middle of the road because I'm, I'm just a little too self-conscious about what people will think of me or whatever. But there are people here within the building and within our business that love
2: to do that kind of stuff. Exactly. So
0: let them do that. Let them be your voice. Let them go out there and, and wave your flag. Right? So
2: in, in the work I've done with agents, when we sit down and we start talking about, okay, so. Let's come up with the marketing plan. What are you going to do? Who's going to do it? You just can't, you know see the beads of sweat on the forehead. Like oh my gosh, what are we committing to? But I mean, almost a hundred percent of the time, I get stories like, well, gosh, we didn't know that Kelly, who works, you know, at in the back office or whatever, you know, really loves to write, or she was a journalism major and she w- wants to help us with some of the writing or so-and-so is really involved in this particular activity. It's it's crazy once you start enlisting and engaging your clients or, excuse me, your your staff into the into the, the flow of your marketing, right. you find out just what you're saying, right? You have other avenues, so it's not all me, 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 me.
0: That's right. It doesn't feel and, that and way. And you'd be surprised at how many times your employees – or your staff, whatever it may be, um, appreciate the opportunity that you're giving them to have a voice. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to your, your journalist, you know, I- example, you know, this, this Kelly person would probably love an opportunity to, to get her voice out there and and say what's on her mind and, and be able to
2: put her fingerprint on it and be proud of it. Absolutely. Right. Now, now you're getting
0: team involvement. You're getting synergy within your, your office where everybody feels like they're a part of something.
2: Right. I've got an agency that I work with that um, their marketing communications come from the perspective of the dog. <laughs> and the dog is the voice of the agency, right? And you kind of laugh and chuckle. And for yeah. some people, that might not be their cup of tea. But for this person and their, their customer base, it works wonders yeah. going back to that initial statement of you got to find what works for you. What are you passionate about? Yep. You know, and the and, you know, Zach and I, we had talked a little bit about this earlier is the, the rub that you're finding now is how do I communicate and where do I communicate? You know, for me, uh, just watching people and one of the, the, the examinations that I've done more recently is the impact on to what social media has done to marketing. Right. So when I think back to communication and how we communicated with clients, right, back in the day, you had a phone. Um, If you were, it was hopefully a rotary phone back then. That's back in your
0: day. You go go all the
2: way back. I go that far (laughs) back. I know it's sad to say, and I remember the rotary phone. And if you were high end, it had buttons on the front, right? So you could have multiple lines. Oh right. Um, So. You have that now. Where I grew up, I grew up in a really small town. It's, it's, it's the town now. The population thirty-one, wow. and we had party lines where you could like hear somebody else talking, and you had to wait. So I went way back, way but back. that was just because of geography, not because of just tech- technology. Your town was just yeah. out of the loop. Yeah, exactly. We <laughs> <Right>. were just <laughs> one horse. Yeah, on. exactly, and uh, like three hundred head of cattle. So, <laughs> um, but you had your phone right, and you had mail. You know, and then all of a sudden, the fax machine comes in, right? And, and then you have PDFs and attachments, right? And now everybody wants to text and send information that way. And now people are telling you, you got to be on social media. And, now, you know, and then there was the yellow pages and all of this. And so the, the challenge that we're running into is that people want to be communicated in the, m- in the manner that they want to communicate at that point in time, mm-hmm. right? Generally, if it's money, they're on the phone. Right. But I might be open to chat. I might be open to text. I might be open to looking at you on social media. But there are so many mediums in which you can communicate with people that it's it's overwhelming sometimes. Well, the same thing happens with marketing, because what social media has done, if you're trying to get out in that space is um, while we all think of Facebook as kind of, it's the dominant platform, I would say, most generally that people would would go to, um, you know, it, it's it's got a lot of users, but what happens is now something else newer and better comes out and it causes fragmentation and segmentation of customers. So there's Facebook, there's Snapchat, there's Pinterest, there's Twitter, right? And there's all these places. And so what happens is rather than having a, a, a global community that looks at one platform, you have segments of people in each platform. And so it feels like maybe sometimes you're not reaching as many people as you'd want, or your communications are fragmented. Um, that can be really intimidating. Huge. It's, it's be really intimidating. And so I always tell people, you know, find a platform that you're comfortable with and start there. Just start in that one platform, get comfortable. A lot of times there's additional tools or other apps that you can use to, to communicate cross platforms. Right. But just get comfortable in one space.
0: Not only can it be intimidating, but it can also be financially overwhelming. Yes. Right. And they can take up so much of your time that you actually spend more time on things that don't generate money than things that do, right? right? And so going back to the principles of why you're in business, right, is to generate money. Right. So you want to be doing money-generating activities, things that help to the bottom line. So going back to what you say, take one thing that you're confident in that you can you know, knock down that one domino and then go to the next and then go to the next. Yeah. More
2: than you exactly. I think people right now, sometimes people feel like I have to do everything. I have to be in all of these spaces.
0: Jack of all trades.
2: You, you do. And, and quite honestly, I mean, are there some people that are able to do that? Yeah, but very few, very few, very few. Right. And the one thing I'll say about social media is if you are really going to truly engage social media and get social media to a level where it's successful and your clients are, are engaged with it, you yourself have to engage in social media at that level. I it's did. not, yeah.
0: passionate about
2: it. Exactly. It's not Kevin Costner. If you build it, they will come, right? right. It, it, it ain't going to happen. Well,
0: i with lot. you with all the movie.
2: Uh, I know. Uh, Tarantino Tarantino, Tarantino Costner, Costner, yeah. <laughs> right? You, you build a Facebook page and all of a sudden people aren't going to come walking out of the cornfield looking for your Facebook right. page, right?
0: Yeah. Well, people, yeah, people used to say that all the time about a website. Well, I have, like you said, fist, fist bump on the website. I have a website now, right? Now what? now what yeah so you're gonna sit and aggressively watch the phone and wait for it to ring <laughs> and you know I right. mean,
1: seriously what activities are you going to do to drive it to ring
2: like, absolutely Well, it just
1: it takes a lot of time for this stuff i think people think you know they they set all this stuff up and they do a couple of posts or um, you know create a couple of pieces of content and then you know it's just going to start right a lot of this stuff takes months sometimes years To build, and I think what we're seeing here, anyway, is a lot of the more successful independent agents are those that have been around a while, right? So they they take their time and they do a little bit here in each section, whether it be you know uh, concentrating on their staff or concentrating on their market, do a little bit here and there. They don't dive into one thing uh, too heavily at one time and let it build over time, right? And then they
2: I I couldn't agree with you more. If you were to go back to any of those agents that I referenced, they they would say one thing. Just start with one. I mean, I had people starting with an eight-page newsletter, right? That and they're and now they've whittled it down and they've done something else, right? And so they've moved on. But they're like, that's what got me going. And then now it's like that's kind of an afterthought. We do all these other things, and so um, I think within within your marketing, you'll find what you're passionate about in terms of the activities and how you you then promote your agency. It, it really does become part of your culture.
0: I pretty much summarize it in saying that if it was easy, everybody would do it.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point.
0: And I hate to say that because it gets thrown around too much, but it's true.
2: But what I can tell you is the ones who are committed to being thoughtful and execution, they are reaping the rewards. Man, they are just, I'm getting stories. So I've got stories of agencies that have gone from 84% retention up to 97%. I've got an agency that's held at 96% retention for over six years, uh, you know, moving from 89 to 93. And quite honestly, as a carrier guy, we used to think, oh, wow, 80, you know, 89, 88% retention was really solid. That was good. Now we're watching these agents and go from 88 to 93, 94, 95. We're going, there's a lot more that we are as independent agents are capable of, um, and we're doing it. Yeah, and there's so, special there, yeah, right? there, there's something special there. And yeah, so that's fantastic.
0: I'll, I'll add one piece to that, which is um, consistency. Yes. Right? Yes. And being thoughtful and execution, but making sure that you're consistent with your execution and that you're always doing it right. I mean, so many people I've seen in the past have tried a new marketing campaign of some kind, and then they just give up on it yeah, and they, they don't get an immediate reward on it. So they just throw the baby out with the bathwater and it's gone and they never really gave uh, the, they never really gave it an honest try to see what kind of result they could get out of
2: it. Yeah. And and you know and the the interesting thing is is the insurance space is changing. The independent agent space is changing. How consumers purchase is changing. So th- there's just so much change in place that you know what what I try to tell agents is stay the course. Keep doing what you're doing, but don't be Don't wall yourself off to what these changes are and find ways to just slowly bring things in, adopt the change and you'll, you'll get there, right? right? You'll, you'll get there right now. Um, and I'm trying to tell as many independent agents about this as I can right now is there's a lot of studies going on. Um, but you're hearing about, um, peer to peer insurance and social brokers. Those are like the two new buzzwords that are really geared towards the millennials And that marketing is starting to come out. And I'm trying to help independent agents understand what those models look like. Because um, quite honestly, if you strip them away to their bare minimum, you find out it's very independent Mm agent-esque. And so the reason why I'm trying to help agents understand is because if they start hearing buzzwords like that, they can say, oh, I do that. So, um, you know, the the social brokers really is, if you break it down, it's, it's niche marketing right? So they go in or niche, you know, that you find a niche that you, you insure and you work with the carrier and they give you a deal because you bring them all their loggers, if it's commercial, right? Or all their restaurants, right? They're calling that a social broker. So the social broker goes out, gets a pool of people and then is able to negotiate special coverages, special rates for their insurance. They're calling that a social broker. Now we call it niche marketing. It's been around. Um, the peer-to-peer, you're, that's starting to come out like lemonade and what have you, and what they're saying that people are getting together and they're pooling their money, and so people come in, they pool their money, they're giving to uh, if you any unused, uh, unearned premium can be donated to a charity, and um, and so it's bringing pools of people together for insurance, and then money's being given to charity. And I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, if you think about a local independent agent. You're insuring a lot of people in the same community with very similar kind of beliefs and values, you're insuring them, and our agents are giving money to charity and involved in the community all the time. So there's an element of that peer-to-peer that exists within our independent agents. So I'm looking at these going, independent agents, you are what is being created out there as this new insurance world. We fit that. We fit that definition. They just put a different label on it. And so if we can get better at marketing ourselves and championing our causes and what we're involved in, we're going to slide right in and be able to say, yeah, I I can compete against that because I'm that and then some. So I've, I've been really trying to help people understand the value of their marketing, being able to tie that all together.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm going to go ahead and probably wrap it up there. Gabe, thanks so much for stopping by. Hopefully um, all Thank the listeners you. out there uh, got some awesome tips and some insight into, um, you know, not only um, how to market their agency, but what all, you know, some of these carriers, especially Safeco has to to offer. And I think it goes a long ways beyond what you touched on too. I know there's so many tools out there for right. agents that are sent out, um, you know, via email and um, on your um, agent portal and whatnot too. So make sure to check those out. Um, if you guys want more information on how to become an independent agent, you can uh, give us a call eight 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 nine three eight four one nine seven or go to our website, Com. Thanks guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on the great independent podcast. Check back every couple of weeks for a new episode on a topic that can help you, the insurance agent, on everything from commissions to technology.